Michael Osterlink here, and I'm talking to Dan Cirillo. He is a father of three amazing athletes and the loving husband of Lilani Cirillo. They'll be celebrating their 20th anniversary this summer. Happy uh, early anniversary, Dan. Uh, Dan is the founder of Spartan 7 Executive Ventures. Dan served for over a decade in the SEAL teams at Team 1 and as a founding member of Team 7 and as a master training specialist at Navy Special Warfare Center. Dan did multiple deployments to both Iraq and Afghanistan for a combat injury and his serial career. After medically retiring from the teams, Dan was chosen as one of the founding members of the Allen Family Security Detail in Seattle, Washington, and has continued to work with high net worth families in the Pacific Northwest for the last 10 years. Before selling CrossFit Bellevue, Dan built into the largest and most successful CrossFit gym in the country. Good to see you, Dan. Welcome back. Oh, thank you, Michael. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so uh, it's been a while since you and I chatted, and you have a lot of really cool things going on, so I thought this would be an opportunity to kind of do a, a deep dive into Dan's world <laughs> and not just cover one of the many cool things you do, but quite a few of the cool things. Um, one of the things I do want to talk to you about, because I think it's just really important work that you do, is, is your pre-buds training work. Um, that's actually how I first met you in 2009. I was an old guy at the time. I wasn't going Navy Special Warfare, but you happen to have been my coach. Uh, Trent, you got me trained up for my three-week academy, my core camp, um, and you were an amazing coach. Uh, so I want to thank you for that, first of all. Um, and I do know that uh, you've, prior to that and since then, you've been training up young men to go Navy Special Warfare quite successfully. And I'd like you to talk about, you know, briefly about the program that you run, uh, who should think about working with you, how they might contact you and what they should be thinking about as they prepare to work with you. Yeah, so it's a, it's a pretty unique program. Um, I created it by act, almost every single thing I do, I create by accident. <laughs> I do by <laughs> accident, like, oh, wow, I guess I better do this, you know. I had a kid walk in my gym, and, uh, you know, back then, little cross at Bellevue when it was only, I think it was 1,200 square feet or whatever. And, uh, hey, man, you're a SEAL. You helped me become a SEAL. And, all right, whatever. I'd never met a human being so weak in all my life. You know, he did a squat and he fell on his butt. This was no weight, just literally an air squat, fell on his butt, couldn't do a pull-up. Uh, had never played a sport his whole life. And I'm like, dear God, help me. What do I do, you know? <laughs> and um, I trained him up. Next thing I know, there was two of them. Of uh, those two kids, uh, those two kids grew into a group of 20 and have grown since. Through the years, that original kid, I got him all the way past Hell Week into pool comp, and unfortunately for him, he um, made some mistakes outside outside buds that caused him to not be able to make it. Um, uh, from that group, though, of all these kids that I've trained, only six have never made it. So I've had 37 make it, 37 graduate, um, you know, a little tiny gym in Bellevue, Washington. That's awesome. Uh, uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't know how many more online. You know, I train kids online as well, which is what I primarily do now, but you know, the focus is, has always been, never been prepare them for BUDS. The focus has always been prepare them for the SEAL teams. Okay. Um, you know, and BUDS is a gentleman course. You know, you work five days a week. You're off on the weekends. Um, there are safety regulations. There's time constraints, et cetera. That's not the SEAL teams. And so I always had that mindset. BUDS, you don't carry equipment until third phase. You know, in the SEAL teams, you carry equipment every day every single thing you do there's equipment and so i've always kind of maintained that philosophy based on stuff that i learned while being a seal you know seeing some seals who lived in the weight room some seals who lived on the on the road running and whatever and seeing the difference in those when it came to combat mm. and in combat uh strong men survive 
And that's just the easiest way of saying it, you know, strong men survive under load and special operations and military in general, you carry load and you carry a lot of load, long distances, lar large loads, long distances, not so quickly, <laughs> sometimes quickly. Right. But, uh, I, I learned a lot and, um, you know, learned a lot through CrossFit, learned how CrossFit is, is beneficial. It is, it's harmful. Mm. Uh, and then as I started working the two systems, finding a happy medium of functional fitness with CrossFit variants, strength variants, et cetera, to really build a, a program that I now believe in one day should write a book about, I don't know, I'm not a book writer, you know, I can't barely write a sentence. So, um, it has been very successful and probably one of my only claims to fame. Um, I pretty much, I spend a tremendous amount of money going to Bud's graduations every year to pin somebody. <laughs> I'm like, man, some of these guys quit. I'd have a lot more money. You know, <laughs> 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 um, I probably, I probably do three or four Bud's graduations a year. Um, That's awesome. And uh, I've been going strong for a long time. I took a little break for a while um, for, for personal reasons. You know, my wife got sick and I, I uh, hit a slump on myself because of, of the things going on with her, her illness, but I'm back charging again, you know, uh, just pinned uh, my godson the other day prior to pinning him. I pinned what another one of my kids that he graduated and got two more in the pipeline ready to go out right here in the next preceding classes with uh, four more kids in my garage training. And then a couple, you know, 10, 10 kids online that I trained. So wow. with the idea of bringing them all together this summer for the first time, Kind of much like we did at Seal Fit when I used to work there is bring them to in the summer to, to Montana for 10 days an immersion academy where it'll be physical obviously physical in nature but we'll also go over safety weapon safety everything that I think they got it gets people in trouble at buds and in the teams I'll cover so I'm not going to take them there to become expert shooters I'm going to show them how they get in trouble weapon safety wise and how to move safely with a weapon in the water you know show them what to, to expect by literally kicking the living piss out of them in the water um, putting them under load for a long time, really just immersing them into a team-based environment and trying to find who they are under stress, which is what I feel like I've mastered, you know, with my coaching of kids, coaching of adults, um, being able to show them who exactly they are in their worst moment. And to me, that's who you are. And so that's what I, my goal is always to show them is this is who you are. And so that, that is a level every time we train harder we push it a little farther away a little farther away and people talk about you know i need to build mental toughness if you build mental toughness and they always call me like how do i build mental toughness i'm like do tough shit all the time until it becomes normal and you know i'm not a i'm not a powerpoint guy i'm not a book writer i'm not a speaker so you know people are like hey i'd like for you to come do a talk on mental toughness i'm like okay well i can do that However, why don't you just, why don't we do an event and I'll show you some tough shit and show you who you are while doing the tough shit, break it down to you, critique you, do it again and over and over again. So you're like, oh, I understand how mental toughness, leadership, communication, et cetera, works. I do that, you know, for a lot of corporations and et cetera. So as well as the kids. So if um, someone called you up and they're like, you know, I, I, Either I'm on contract, you know, I'm going in nine months or a year from now where I want to, you know, what is your first steps in working with a young man who wants to go Navy Special Warfare? Uh, very first thing is whether the email gets deleted or not. So <laughs> if you can't write me professionally, you should not be a SEAL. You know, I get texts from kids like, hey, man, want to be a SEAL? Delete. I don't, fuck time. I don't have time for you. You can't, you can't even address me properly, you know? 
So first and foremost, are you a professional? Are you going to contribute to the teams? Or are you going to hinder the teams? I protect the teams as much as I can from the level that I can protect it by sending quality young men there. So um, yeah, they reach out to me via email. I want to hear their story. I want to know what it is, how, how come, how, what do they know about the teams, why they want to be a SEAL, and if they even know what SEALs actually do. Most people don't know what SEALs actually do. I won't talk about what they do, but uh, it's not glamorous. It's hard. It's brutal. It's, um, it's a life-changing and life-altering life. It is completely and utterly um, fulfilling, but I think a lot of people are romantic about a job that should have no romance associated with it. You know, I'm, I'm completely, I don't mind guys writing books, making movies, but I still like the days where nobody knew shit. And I was happy with that um, because it's um, what people don't know is better for them because when they think they know what they're talking about, they start judging, you know, case example, the kid that died in the pool, his family goes on, you know, social media and, you know, blast guys on social media just recently. And uh, it's like, you know, bottom line, yeah, the young man perished, but he volunteered to be there. And the circumstances of it, let's, let's come back to the, to, the, to the bottom line. He volunteered to be there in inherently dangerous training, massively dangerous training, where he's not the first and he won't be the last. Um, so instead of blasting people over social media and being a, you know, Timmy Tough guy, you should learn what you're talking about, which is, for the most part, we shouldn't be discussing what training is you know so so i heard you say that uh, there are two kind of avenues to work with you one in person you know they live obviously close enough to you that they come and train with you a certain number of days a week or over the month you also do programming online is that accurate yeah so i have kids uh it's, it's funny you know I, I used to make a joke they're like you want to train you want to be serious come up here and they would show up and i'm like holy shit i was joking <laughs> 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 like, oh, okay, I wasn't planning on that one. Literally, I had a kid drive from Alabama, you know, and oh, I thought he was joking. He drove all the way from Alabama, and he texted me. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm here. And I'm like, one, who are you? And two, what do you mean you're here? And he's like, well, you told me to come here to train. I'm like, oh, man, I always said that kind of in passing. That has grown. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the kids, the kids come up, they roommate with each other, um, I and I train them, you know, and I'm actually looking right now, talking to uh, – a group of, of men who I've been training for a long time about doing a nonprofit gym uh, because they're in my garage. My garage is only so big. You know, I used to have the, the big gym, 27,000 square feet, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not uh, not something I want to do ever again. So I'm thinking about just opening a space, another commercial garage and um, lease it out to whatever CrossFit coaches in the morning. But in the afternoon, my kids train. They don't got to worry about funding they are there to specifically train for the environment they're in. And um, that's the next step. So right now, yeah, they train in my garage. We find them, we find them a low-income housing near us. There's a lot of it, you know. And uh, they all share an apartment, condo, whatever. And they focus on training. You know, they get their little job to pay, pay a few bills here and there. But they're there to train. They eat, breathe, and they eat it. They live it. They breathe it. There's other SEALs that assist me with it. Um, and uh, with the entire focus on showing them, you know, a brotherhood that – is not a, a word to us, it's a life. Showing them a peer group, a peer group that pushes you, and then showing them that, you know, we practice what we preach. Yeah. And so, yeah, they come to live with me, they do those things, and for the kids that don't, um, I have the online thing. I used to be very reluctant about online training because, you know, it's, 
I, I need to ver I, I just don't feel comfortable doing it. So the kids that do do the online training have to send me videos, mm -hmm. have to send me reports. I know exactly how long each workout takes because I've been doing the same system for 10 years. And I, if I, if they catch them lying to me one time, I just eliminate them. Wow. If they skip work, I just kick them out. So um, it has nothing to do with profit whatsoever. It's all about, you want to train this all, I'll, I'll give you the stimuli. You got to put in the effort. So now if someone's interested in either showing up at your front doorstep and training with you um, or doing online, how do they find out more about the program and contact you? Yeah, just go to Spartan Summit Adventure. There's a contact sheet there. Okay, so cool. Spartan Summit Adventure, not Adventures. I got to yell at Will about that. <laughs> Will forgot to put the S on. So <laughs> it's SpartanSummitAdventure.com. And okay. uh, there's a contact sheet. The contact comes right to me and, uh, you know, I answer it. So Nice. Well, you're a very busy man because not only do, do you do the pre-buds training program, you also are part of a humanitarian team. Can you talk a little bit about that work as well? Yeah. So we have a... a fully funded humanitarian team uh, that was started by accident. We responded to a typhoon in Vanuatu. And uh, over the last seven years, we've grown a team of five into over a hundred uh, of primarily special operations people, wildland firefighters, paramedics, doctors, nurses, uh, full blown effort. And uh, we're expanding with, uh, I'm the director of recruiting. So I'm able to pick the best and brightest people in the world. People proving themselves, great resumes, and pay them you know most humanitarian teams are volunteer we actually have funding to pay people nice. and uh, we have a, ability to be highly selective of who we bring in through a long vetting process um, same exact thing I do with the buds program I put them through their paces and I want to find out who they are under stress because my opinion of the humanitarian team is we're gonna go to those people on their worst day and we'd be able to be, be in our best effort and uh, so I'm, I'm lucky enough to be part of that here in Silicon Valley. You know, Silicon Valley is the mecca of money. Um, to have a group of, of a board of directors that sees what we do, that believes in veterans, to be able to put veterans back to work, be able to put really good people doing really good things around the world. So that's what, you know, we're called Team GSD, um, Team Global Support and Development. And um, it's, it's awesome, yeah. If uh, folks are interested in learning more about it, um, wanting to join the, be on the queue to be interviewed because they're a veteran, maybe in the special operations world, or they want to contribute to it, uh, is it, well, actually let me ask you this, um, are you fully funded, you don't need more funding, and or if you do accept more funding, how might someone contribute to the cause? Let me start there. Uh, right now, right now, now we're not seeking any funding. Nice. Um, yeah, we're, you know, we have, we have uh, uh, the board of directors takes care of us. You know, we work within a budget constraint, but we're funded. Um, somebody wanting to join. Um, Doesn't work that way? No, nah, no. Nah, uh, everything is referral based for me. There's no job. I just did my job posting, the first one I've ever done. And I took it down one day later because I found the four candidates that suited my needs. Um, I'm essentially at a point now where, you know, I don't, I don't want veterans coming out of the military. I need veterans to go work in corporate America for a few years, learn how miserable that can be, and then come here because I need to, de 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 I need to make them more open and Silicon Valley. <laughs> you know, they, I don't need the gruff and tough. I need people who have compassion, who have empathy, um, who, who aren't looking for a job who are looking to help people around the world and get paid for it. So it's a massive difference. Um, so generally I find those people, um, everything's referral based. I, uh, I have a very strict criteria. If you recommend somebody to me and I fire them, I fire you too. Oh, okay. So that's the way 
I get referred, referral people refer referrals to me and that's the way I operate. Um, mm -hmm. So no, there's no job postings. Um, it's, I need to know who you are. I need to know people you've worked with and then I'll move forward that way. Can you give me an idea of some of the things that your teams will be doing or have done in the humanitarian space? Yeah, so we responded to the two hurricanes, uh, Irma and Maria, uh, down in the Bahamas. We went down to Turks and Caicos, cleared runways, cleared houses, did a whole mapping exercise, started landing aircraft. We were the first people to put communications up there, did a massive mapping exercise in Haiti. We've done immunizations in Guyana, Africa, um, put in water distillation plants in the Galapagos Islands, uh, planted coral in the Caribbean, did sea urchin cleanup in Northern California, responded here to the campfires by helping with animal rescues. Um, we don't specialize in anything, we're generalists. What we do is we find reputable humanitarian teams that are working and then we send them workforce. Um, on our own, here locally, we're, we're pairing up with uh, Parkinson's disease patients, helping teach them boxing to keep motor skills. Wow. Uh, we've done some dolphin and whale rescues. Um, we do surfing with inner city kids. Cool. Um, a lot of speaking events at inner city schools. Um, the list goes on and on. There's, we're, we're getting ready to go to Mexico on a dolphin rescue project. Um, the list goes on. It's really reputable humanitarian teams working come to us, and then we decide whether we're going to work with them or not. And if we do, then we send workforce. We don't send money. We send workforce. Man, that is awesome. I didn't realize it's so broad in terms of the – Very broad, very broad. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So that's your humanitarian work. Um, you also work around PTSD specific to your connection to the Navy SEALs Fund. Uh, can you talk about that work? Yeah. So um, that's something I'm very passionate about. I'm, I'm, I've been pretty focused on it since I went through therapy. Um, like most veterans, you know, who've seen combat, you, uh, you suffer PTSD. And uh, for me, I didn't really suffer. I didn't feel like I suffered. I I had some dark moments. I did some things to make myself come to the light and I was able to, always able to do those things and manage it. And, you know, I, like everybody had anger, et cetera, et cetera. But I always found ways to cope with that by really through physical fitness through workouts, staying busy, staying healthy, et cetera. And, um, all of a sudden one day those things kind of stopped and the darkness kind of enveloped me. Uh, my wife got cancer. Uh, my entire coaching staff for a football team got fired. We had a, you know, everybody says one person can't destroy a program. One person destroyed a program. Um, a person we were trying to help turned on us and we got accused of every violation you think of. We're all cleared, you know, front page news. We all got cleared, won a massive lawsuit because it was all lies, but mm -hmm. it hurt. Um, my businesses, the city of Bellevue seized my parking lot. So I had 300 space parking lot. They seized it right up in my domain, built a garbage dump on it. And my business went from 700 clients to about 150 clients. And, um, you know, overnight, I basically went from being able to, to live a businessman's lifestyle to going and doing projects, coming home, handing my wife a check. And she's like, okay, we need 20 more grand this month, not knowing where I was going to get it from. Uh, so uh, once thriving business, you lose a parking lot, you don't think that much of it. You go from 300 spaces to six spaces. It, it affects you greatly. Um, so all that happened all at once. Uh, my wife being sick was, was a massive blow to me. Because as a frogman, as a seal, when you need something done, you just go do it. You work your ass off and you, you, you chop wood until the wood is chopped. And when your wife's laying there in bed dying, there's nothing you can do whatsoever. And that crushed me to my soul. It ripped me apart piece by piece. And um, 
I've always kind of been a, a drinker, right? And what ended up happening to me is when she would go to sleep, I would drink. And I would drink and I would drink. And when she would wake up, I would stop. I'd care for her. And when she went to sleep again, I drank. And that kind of started overwhelming me. And I didn't even know it, right? So it never affected me at work. Um, it just affected me in my once normal positive mental attitude. Outgoing, outgoing became very quiet, dark, angry, um, isolated. Those are the, all the signs, right? And um, rage, um, et cetera. And I started snapping at my children over the most stupidest stuff, you know, plates on the counter, shoes stacked up, laundry, stuff that I'd never done before because I'd always just, you know, moved the shoes, done the dishes, done the laundry. And I found myself locking myself in my movie theater and just drinking and watching movies. And um, if it wasn't for a very dear friend of mine, my business partner, who pulled me aside one day and uh, she's like, you, you know, you drink a lot. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm a frog man. You know, I, everybody drinks a lot. She's like, no, 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 dude, you, you drink a lot. And literally three days later, uh, I was asked to research PTSD therapy. And I had been researching it along, um, trying a bit things here and there, but, you know, not really having too much success. And just by accident, I was asked to research the MAPS program. And uh, I wrote a paper. I didn't really write the paper. My wife wrote it. Uh, I couldn't even read and write an email at that point. That's how the cloud was just completely wow. had enveloped me. I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't read. I couldn't write. Um, I was really struggling a lot in a, and I had no way out. There was no, like, I was trying everything I could, you know, I had an alpha stem machine trying to do yoga, meditate, nothing was working. And, uh, my wife researched the treatment. I submitted the paper. I'm like, Hey, here's my paper. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, two weeks later, I got a phone call. Hey, can you come into the office? I want to talk to you about the research. And of course I was like, shit, I really screwed that one up. I was probably going to get fired. And they're like, nope, the, the group of people who the MAPS program's coming, they give us a lecture and we'd like for you to sit in it. I sat through it and they asked me for my recommendation whether we should proceed with the treatment or not, fund it, or you know, give a, a donation. And um, I, th I thought it was a good idea because in my opinion, I know a lot of my friends who, you know, suicide's the big thing, but a lot of my friends just die. Right? They're in their 40s, they're laying on the couch and they just die. And as I've learned this is that body can only handle so much stress before it breaks. And so when your brain is on, it can't turn off. They taught us how to turn on. They never taught us how to turn off. And that's killing my friends, killing them in droves. And nobody's talking about the 40 and 50 year old retired seals who are just dying. You know, a lot of, a lot more than committing suicide. We only had four guys commit suicide. I'd say we've lost 30, 40 guys to, to, to just death. And uh, alcohol is a major issue, contributing factor, painkillers, because we're all broken, right? Lots of surgeries. And so I asked to be part of the program and actually go through it. Um, I went into the beginning of it with a positive attitude. And by the time I actually went to the therapy, I was very negative. Like, I don't need it. This isn't for me, et cetera, et cetera. I actually got completely shithoused the night before. I was in such a, in such a negative joke mindset that I took board shorts and a snorkel and fins down to the treatment thinking, oh, you know, I'll just go down there, drink a few beers, you know, whatever, we'll see. And the, what happened to me was life-changing. I took an experimental medication. It's actually not experimental at all. It's been around for thousands of years. It's called Ibogaine. It mm -hmm. used to be used on heroin addicts. Yeah. It has a 70% success rate in heroin addicts. I took the medication. It's uh, two pills. Mine was three pills. And I had a long conversation with myself for 36 hours 
I relived traumatic events through my life and released them. I learned about the meaning of my life and what the questions I have answered, uh, what questions I had that I never even knew existed. I was able to come to grips, understand, deal with, and forgive all in two days. Uh, forgiveness was huge, you know, um, especially within my family. Uh, my brother and sisters, my brother, my brothers and sister and I do not speak to our mother. Um, we were all removed. So being able to forgive her after all the years and then pick up a phone and call her has been pretty big. Wow. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then the second day, the third day, we took another medication called 5-MeO-DMT. You know, in, the, in this world, it's called the toad. Um, you know, being a SEAL, I was always anti-drug. You know, alcohol was my drug, so I was very hesitant to do the thing. Uh, they tell you you're going to go to heaven. <laughs> I did not go to heaven. I went to hell. Mm -hmm. And uh, I came out of that dosage very, very agitated. And uh, the doctor, Dr. Polenko, asked me if I'd like to do another dose. And I was like, absolutely, because I didn't go to heaven. And um, on the third dose, I went to heaven. I laid in my mother's arms. I was a little boy. Uh, and when I awoke, I have awoke to a level of peace, quietness, and serenity that I didn't know existed. Uh, I haven't lost my temper in five months. I haven't had a drink of alcohol in five months. Good for you, Dan. Uh, I never went down there to stop drinking. I didn't even know I stopped drinking. I was at the border coming back from the therapy and a guy knocked on the window, senor, senor, tequila, tequila. And tequila is my, my, my drink, right? Don Julio, you know, Anejo on the rocks, big slice of orange. And I looked at him and I was like, I don't drink. And, uh, you know, I've been drinking since I was 12 years old, right? So it was a pretty big step. And then over the holidays on New Year's Eve, uh, I was working on a chair and my wife came to me. She's like, hey, you're going to kiss me. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, oh, the ball is dropping. And I was like, I was so oblivious to it. So I was working on a kitchen chair because, you know, I, 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 something happened down there where I became a so focused. Hmm. Everything was so easy. And in that moment, I sat there, I kissed her and I, you know, told her I loved her and how much she meant to me. And I went, since I was 12 years old, I've been drunk on every single New Year's Eve. And I'm sober on this New Year's Eve. And I, and I remember sitting there for a long time, just kind of registering that, you know, like, and I haven't tried. And then I have, you know, in the, in the months that have followed, if you saw my computer, you would think I'm a computer nerd. It's so organized. If you saw my closet, you'd think I'm a closet aficionado. Everything is lined up and perfect. My garage is immaculate. Everything is immaculate. Whereas everything was in disarray before that. And here's me, a, a frogman who prides myself on my gear, always being ready, et cetera, et cetera. And the disarray of my, my belongings was a disarray of my life, disarray yeah. of my brain. Yeah. And the PTSD thing, now that I understand it and I really can correlate it, is we all, every single one of us has it. And it's just trauma, right? It's just post-trauma stress. We all have trauma that affects us in different ways. One of my biggest traumas, I had two massive traumas that came out. One was my dog dying. Mm. Uh, my house burnt down, my dog got trapped in the patio and I had to listen to her die, right? And it was uh. a very long death, right? And I was uh, nine years old. So that affected me, you know, tremendous, tremendous effect on me. Uh, that came out. One of the other big traumas that came out during my experience was 
when I taught my son how to buy a bike. You know, I was a 23-year-old father. I didn't know shit from Shinola about parenting. And uh, I was trying to teach him to ride a bike. I had no idea what was happening. Um, next thing I know, he started screaming at the top of his lungs. Me being a 23-year-old SEAL, you know, toughen up, don't be a sissy, et cetera, et cetera. We take him home. My wife now, my then girlfriend is like, look at this bite on his leg. A massive spider had bit him. And it just, it broke me at my, at my core in that moment of like, what a terrible person I am to do that to my son. And I, I guess I had held on to that. And uh, my son had too, because he didn't ride a bike until he was 23 years old. Oh, wow. So um, that came out. And I guess, you know, you learn about suppression. You don't know about suppression. Mm-hmm. and shove those things way down. Well, all they are is bricks in a backpack, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think of it that way because I'm a frogman, like bricks in a backpack. I can carry, taco carry a lot of bricks, right? And what I found out is that we all carry bricks, and eventually all of us have a weight that we're going to break. I was one to three bricks away from breaking. I can easily admit that now. I understand why guys kill themselves. I never thought about suicide, but I get why dudes do. I get why guys can see there is no other fast and what ends up happening is when the chemical imbalance of the brain kicks in and the agitation of the brain is in full effect when you do a deep brain scan on seals i don't know much about the other forces because i haven't really divulged in those yet but the front of the brain is black devoid of emotion right emotion is is constant the back of the brain is bright red they're completely agitated right they're agitated they're in a height sense of awareness or a heightened sense of paranoia at all times they never shut down you take them post-treatment one month you do the deep brain scan again the brain is yellow it looks like a civilian brain and you've reset the chemical imbalance that has gotten them into a heightened state of aggression and turn them back into a normal human being and i get that that makes sense to me and so also what made sense to me is like through counseling some people can remove a brick or they can chip bricks away. And over a lifetime, maybe you've emptied the backpack. Medication can sometimes close the flap on the backpack. Yeah, but yeah. this medication that I took, for me, I dumped the backpack. Yeah. Turned it upside down, and I absolutely dumped it. And when I put it back on, there was probably one or two bricks left in it. And it's funny that those two bricks, I know them now. Okay. When they happen, I'm like, whoa. Don't let that make you have a good day. Whereas I've never been able to do that. I just fly off the handle and I'm, my ego takes over. You know, I start talking bad about people. I, all the things that we say you're not supposed to do. That is the dark side of, of, of trauma. Yeah, yeah. Right. It causes you to have negativity, et cetera, et cetera. And now being post therapy, I look at it and go, Oh my God, my life is so good now. Yeah. You know, and it's funny since doing this, I've had things come across my desk and I'm like, how am I being offered this? You know, you're offering me these incredible opportunities, whereas before they didn't exist. And I, you know, I, I obviously I believe, you know, there's divine intervention, et cetera, et cetera. But combined with that, I began studying and I left the PTSD therapy and then I did stem cell therapy oh. and the stem cell therapy is just fixed my body. And so to make a long story short, my whole mission now, which I had told you about before we started, was I never got why people wanted me on their podcast. I never knew why people wanted me to give speeches. I never knew why people were like, man, you should write a book. I'm like, what am I going to write a book about? I had nothing to say, you know? It has nothing to do with my SEAL career. 
has nothing to do with being a successful coach, et cetera. It has to do with this. My mission now is to talk to my brothers who are suffering and let them know that I suffered too and that I went and did this treatment and it worked and that I'm willing to go and sit on their couch with them and explain it because they know who I am. They know who I used to be. I was a, a drunken brawler in a bar. I, I, I was my own worst enemy all the time. And when I go and talk to them and, and, and I show them now me, like I'm, I don't have an angry bone in my body, you know? And now that I understand that there's tons of treatment out there, there's, there's retreats, there's this, there's that. But if we don't get rid of the trauma, none of that is good matters. Yep. So if you get rid of the trauma and then you fix the body, yep. right, through stem cell therapy or whatever, you've now given the, given the veteran, the person, a reason to not be in pain physically and mentally. And now they have an opportunity to start building. So the third part of the thing that I'm working on, we just did it yesterday for the first time. We partnered veterans with handicapped kids. Uh-huh. And uh, there's a special on HBO where a father takes his handicapped kids and does Ironmans. Wow. Um, there's a program that exists that I decided to partner with through Spartan seven. We did it for the first time yesterday. We partnered veterans with handicapped kids. And so I don't get emotional. (laughs) That I can die tomorrow and be happy because we gave that, we gave those young people joy for a day. Yeah. And I gave my brother's purpose for a day. And that's, that's what, that's the way my brain works is that, I'm a dog. You you leave me alone. I'm gonna chew on the I'm gonna chew on the table. I'm gonna dig in the carpet. I'm gonna pee in the corner. I'm gonna start fights with other dogs. But you give me work to do, I'm as happy as can be. Yeah. And and that's the thing is when a seal is no different than an NFL football player. When the when the crowd stops screaming, what do you have? Who are you? Right. We lose, we have a loss of identity, and especially in the seal teams. When an NFL player stops playing, he still has fans. Maybe not as many, but he still has them. When a SEAL stops being a SEAL, all he has is his brothers. Well, his bros are busy, and so they don't call. And so when you don't, have, when you don't call, you have silence. And silence can be more damaging than anything we faced in the war, right? And my goal is to now, through the Navy SEAL Foundation, Navy SEAL Fund, through start doing, you know, Frogman Reconnects, which the foundation started, which I want to expand um, and get them, get the connects out of bars and into shooting adventures. So I'm planning one this summer to bring a bunch of SEALs together in a uh, shooting location and do what SEALs do. Hmm. Shoot guns, man. Shoot guns. I'm going to talk about therapy. If you want to drink a beer, you can drink a beer, but that's not the focus. The focus is us being together, us doing the things that we are very, very good at, having fun and smiling. And it isn't focused around being in a bar, talking about work and drinking, you know, and that's, that's my new thing is find ways for guys to come together in a positive environment, you know, because in the teams a long time ago, some genius said two places seals should be in the gym and in church. Hmm. I'm like, okay, well, guess what? Some dudes are broken. So going to the gym is an effort. Some dudes don't believe in religion. Or maybe they've lost their way in religion. So if I'm going to force one of those two on them, I'm probably not going to get them all. But they all love shooting. Mm. right? They all love being around. One thing SEALs love to do is SEALs love to shoot. And they love to be around each other. So I can bring them to church and some will come. 
I can bring them to the gym and some will come. But if I guarantee if I put some guns in front of them, some bullets in a cool ass training environment, they're all going to come. Yeah. And I'm going to be able to talk to them, talk to them about therapy, talk to them about future, boom, 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 talk to them about work, et cetera. And um, be able to do what I think my calling now is to do, you know, guide young men to become SEALs, help pe business people, you know, learn the work ethic that I bring to uh, from the SEAL teams and then help old fat SEALs like me find a new purpose. If um, a, a SEAL happens to be watching this or maybe a SEAL spouse or a f for family member or friend and, and they have, you know, they would like to have a conversation with you just to understand where you were, what you did, where you are now. Um, are, I assume you're open to that conversation because that's what I hear part of your mission is. Uh, how, how would people get a hold of you? Same thing, Spartan 7. You know, I mean, either through the Navy SEAL Foundation, Navy SEALs Fund, or Spartan 7. And that's literally the majority of my conversations are with wives. Um, I, I get on the phone with a wife and I explain to them there's nothing wrong with her husband. He's chemically imbalanced. Yes, he's full of rage, hatred, and anger. And yes, he's, he's destroying himself. But there's a, there's a fix. There's a fix. And we have now done that. We're 47 guys in. Nice. We're... 46 successful and uh it's pretty profound to see the changes in people it's pretty profound that to see the changes in the family environment you know we're we're, we're, we're having marriages that were completely destroyed that are now thriving marriages we have guys who we know were one to three years away from probably doing terrible things who are happy quiet he texts me hey man i wrote i ran 10 miles today no drinking Nice. You know, and it's a good example is I, I sent a guy to treatment a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday. He was snorting lines off the freaking bar. You know, this is a highly decorated guy who got blown up many times, severe injuries. His brain is rattled. He's in pain. He's taking medication. He's drinking. He lost his way. Sent him a treatment on Monday. He does a 10 mile run. Now he's 27 days, no drugs, no alcohol. Mm -hmm. Him and his wife are, are, are hiking together. They're vacating that. That's perfect. You, you tell me, you tell me, you know, so. Well, well done, Dan. Um, I'm um, very happy for you, very proud of you. And I love the work that you're doing both with the pre-buds candidates. And I'd say even more important with uh, your team guys who, who need some help and you're obviously showing them the way. So nicely done. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is um, we talk about, you know, we have the saying long live the brother, long live the brotherhood. And, um, I've always like done my best to, be, to do that, but now I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Yeah. I've through my work, I've been able to meet a lot of high net worth people through the opportunities I've been given to be able to learn a lot of things. And now I'm able to go to those high net worth people who have trust in me and say, I need money to help my bros. And then I spend almost every weekend on the road with my bros either taking the treatment or going them to talk about treatment. And um, my focus now is not financial reward. My focus is personal happiness and making sure they get happy. And um, it's pretty, it's, it's, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to be one of those guys who's like, well, we should, we should. I'm like, I'm not, we should anymore. I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, what it could have should, it doesn't do anything. I'm doing it. And um, that's my mission, you know? That's awesome. Uh, one more time, how folks can learn all about these various programs you're involved in. Which website? Spartan7Adventure.com. Okay, great. 
Thanks, Dan. Uh, great to catch up with you, hear all the wonderful things you're up to. Wish you the best of luck. And uh, I look forward to talking to you in the near future. Yeah, definitely, Michael. You know, I, you know, I always appreciate our talks. We, uh, we definitely text a lot. But uh, yeah, man, anytime, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of what you're doing, too. And um, I'm glad to see that you believe in what we do with these, this program, you know, through Facebook. I watch it. I'm glad that you're passionate about, you know, a lot of things that I'm passionate about. You know, and, and the one thing I appreciate you, Michael, is you live in a, you live in an environment where bullshit is the norm, and you're not a bullshitter. And I, you know, that of all things, I appreciate. It. So I appreciate your friendship, Michael. Thanks, Dan. Thank you.